Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. So this morning we're looking at when you're in charge and when you're not. And we're going to look at it in Ephesians chapter 6. And part of the time we're going to look at it uh, for the home. And then part of the time we're going to look at it on the job. Uh, When you're in charge and when you're not on the job. And we're going to look at the responsibilities for parents and for kids. And then we're going to look at responsibilities for supervisors and employees. And so when you're in charge and when you're not, we're going to look at what God's word says about it. And this is important. We have a biblical obligation to follow God's word. Some parts of God's word are really easy to obey. Some parts are a challenge to us. They stretch us. They critique us. Sometimes when you're reading through God's word, it's a critique on you and the Holy Spirit uh, brings it to mind. You think, oh man, I really need to change here. And other times you're reading through God's word, you're like, yes, I'm doing this the right way. So this morning I want to encourage you and I also want to challenge you. I want you to think. So follow along with me as I read in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. Children, obey your parents. This is the favorite verse of kids. They love this verse. It reminds them to keep their priorities right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. By the way, when it says live long, it doesn't mean you'll live to be really old. To live long was a description of a life well lived. It really doesn't matter how long you live, it matters how well you live. And so it's a, you'll have a full life. Then in verse number four, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Verse six, not with eye service, not only when they're watching, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. By the way, the Bible never condones slavery. It never encourages slavery. It, it teaches against it. In fact, some of what we're going to read here this morning teaches against it. Uh, slavery was very common in their culture and in many cultures of the world, and sadly, it's, it's even common today. Uh, people are put into slavery in different parts of the world, in some places, even in our country. At least in our country, it's illegal, but in some countries, it's perfectly legal. So uh, he's not saying be happy if you're a slave. He's just saying be faithful to God if you happen to be a slave, okay? And, and whether you're slave or free, verse number nine. Uh, and you masters do the same things to them 
giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So when you're in charge and when you're not, it speaks of both. And so uh, the first thing I, I, I want you to think about that God appoints people to certain leadership positions. So when you're in charge, you're in charge. When you're in charge, you're in charge. God appoints people to leadership positions. And that includes parents, that includes supervisors or managers or bosses. When God allows you to be in charge, then you have to live up to that calling. In 1 Peter 2, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 5, verse 2, Paul's, <laughs> Peter's writing. Peter was not written by Paul or Mary, but uh, 1 Peter 5 says the, the pastor elder of the church is supposed to take the oversight of the ministry. It's a requirement to do that. And so uh, you have that responsibility. It's a sign by God. Well, parenting kids, not parenting adults is totally different, but parenting kids, then you have the responsibilities that God has assigned to you. And supervisors have that responsibility on the job. So when you're in charge, you're in charge. You have to step up and do what God wants. So when you're in a position of leadership responsibility, then first of all, you're responsible for assigning responsibilities. Now there's a picture of four pilots on here that's usually a squad or a squadron, depending on how it's described. And, and one is always the lead person. And the lead person then tells the other three what they're supposed to do when they're out flying. That's true when you're hiking and marching. That's true when you're flying. There's one who's uh, the squad leader and the others respond and do what the squad leader says. Now when you're flying, in jet aircraft at hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour and you're close to each other, you better listen to what the one says because you get a little too close and you both die. So uh, verse number one, he says, children obey your parents. God expects parents to assign responsibilities. And then look down in verse five. He says, my, my Bible doesn't have the numbers all on the left, like some of yours, mine's in paragraph form. So sometimes when it takes me a while to find a verse, it's not because I don't know how to read, just clarify. <laughs> Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. So you are supposed to obey as a kid, your parents, as a worker, your supervisor, or manager, or boss, and children and employees need to obey, and therefore parents and supervisors need to provide direction. You need to provide direction. So you have to decide what is it you want them to do. You define tasks, you uh, give them focus, you teach them priorities, you give them responsibilities. So at work, what might you give a person who's coming into a job? What might you give them so they understand the job? A job description would be helpful. Training would be good, a skill set would be good, but they need to know what it is. When you run an ad in the paper or online, you, you want people to understand the job, so you define a little bit of the job to weed out the people who wouldn't be interested in that. And at home, you can have a job chart for kids. 
And I was raised in a very military home in part because my brothers and I were pretty challenging to our parents. So they had lots of charts and assigned, we we had KP duty assignments, regular rotations and all of that uh, when I was growing up. And that was kind of necessary and kind of my dad's obsessiveness. Uh, But with very little kids, you have to tell them how to do things. In fact, you help them pick up the toys. You pick this one up and you move it over here and you put it there. Now, I'm really glad Teresa doesn't have to do that with Lois anymore. Now, Lois, pick that one up and put it over. Yay! She doesn't have to do that. But when Lois was very little, she had to do that sometimes. And so you, when you have somebody who has some measure of skill, then what you do is you assign the task to them, but not how to get it done. You let them figure that out. You make sure they understand a little bit. But with older kids and workers, unless they need help, let them figure out how to do it. That stretches their skills and puts them to work. More than a dozen years ago, Tim Pennick started teaching our adult Bible class with me. I picked out the study, I assigned his lessons, which ones he was gonna teach, which ones I was gonna teach, and sometimes I even gave him an outline for his lesson to work from, and, and he started teaching sometimes, and then half the time, we were basically every other week, and then, uh, then he taught most of the time, and then he taught all of the time, and now he tells me what he's gonna teach. Uh, and, and that's how it worked. He, he, he grew and he got skilled and he, he's a great teacher. If you c- don't come at 9.30, you miss out. Uh, and uh, there's levels of delegation that depend on the trust you have in the person and their skill set. And so as their skills grow and your trust grows, then you delegate differently. Instead of do this and come back to me and see what's next, you say, take care of this, and they do. So the person in charge is responsible for assigning responsibilities based on their experience, based on the level of trust. Secondly, you have to establish boundaries of acceptable behavior and then give consequences when they cross that boundary. If you look in verse two, it says, um, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, uh, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth, have a better life on this earth. Uh, God has some boundaries. There's a warning, there will be consequences. Now, Can I tell a story on you? (laughs) Okay, parents, when, when you're giving, telling kids about consequences, I think it's better, and, and supervisors on the job too, if you don't define all the consequences, okay? Uh, Just tell them there will be consequences. Because when Kathy was little, she said there were times when she thought about how much she wanted to do something, and she thought about the consequence and thought, it's worth it. (laughs) And she did it. And so you want to avoid that. Now, 
Years ago, we took a tour where Kathy Bird worked at Intel and in the fab she was in back then, and, and they were given a tour, and there are specific rules about you must do this, and you absolutely cannot do this. And on the bottom of the absolutely cannot do this, it says, you know, it's kind of harsh, you know. I think they were trying to say, you will lose your job. But it sounded really harsh, you know. If you don't do this and this and this, you will be terminated. That doesn't sound like you're just going to lose your job. It sounds like they're going to kill you. Okay, so I don't know why she kept working there. But uh, So don't exaggerate the consequences. Don't say up to and including sudden death. Okay? Don't exaggerate the consequences. But let them know there will be consequences and you will determine the consequences. Sometimes it might, they may be made an accident. They didn't mean to, but they violated a rule. Well, that consequence wouldn't be as stiff as if they openly rebelled. God says that in his word, that if you're openly rebelling against him, there's bigger consequences. So don't exaggerate them, but make sure you follow through with consequences, regardless of who did it or didn't do it. Don't play favorites. Now, some people erroneously think that God doesn't give consequences. He's just a God of love. He loves everybody. He wants everybody to be fulfilled and happy. And he does want people to be fulfilled and happy. But he also sets boundaries on things. And he has borders that cannot be crossed. Because God's mercy endures forever does not mean he has no standards because his justice endures forever as well. Over the last several months, I read through the Old Testament, and I was reminded again and again and again where God said to the nation of Israel and to other groups, the Hebrew group before they were the nation of Israel, and he said, I wanted to bless you, but you would not obey. And so now you're facing these serious consequences. Horrible consequences sometimes. And he said, it's your fault because you would not obey. God planned to be merciful, but they refused to accept it. So, um, you know, we're not going to terminate you if you violate some of the church rules, by the way. Uh, but, but there are rules of behavior in the home, in the church, on the job. And God wants those in positions of responsible leadership to establish those boundaries and then to enforce those boundaries. So give them a natural consequence. Kids who don't do their homework will fail their classes. If they fail their classes, there's consequences at home. Adults who don't show up on time and do the work will be fired. Uh, kids lose privileges when they don't follow the rules or do their schoolwork. You know, you take away their phone or their, their game controls or you take something away as a consequence for what they've done. And when they're a little older, you take away their car keys. I remember uh, we had that rule with our kids. If you get a ticket or get in an accident, you're going to have to forfeit your license. If they were driving recklessly. And, and our son Nathan was driving recklessly. And thankfully, it was a single car incident. He just messed up our car and not somebody else. And nobody got hurt. Just car got hurt. And our wallets got a little hurt. Uh, but he knew our rule. And so he came running into the house. 
and said to me, Dad, we need to talk, and handed me his driver's license. And I thought, I really don't want to have this conversation. And then, then we made him pay for the increase in the insurance and the cost of the car repair and all of that. Uh, so uh, they forfeit the license, yet you can have an established rules. See, if you don't give consequences, then why would people obey the rules? On the job or in the home? If they know I can get away with it, they'll just want to get away with it. So also seek compensatory consequences. So one of you kids tell me what I mean. All right, compensatory consequences. It means don't have your consequences be so severe. Have your consequence fits with the crime, if you will. Whatever they did wrong, there's a consequence. And it's not like, you know, you broke this minor rule, so we're going to, you know, remove your right leg. No, have the consequence be similar to what they did. So figure it out. What's appropriate? What's not? Always see, here's the, the rule that we want to have from Scripture. Always seek to discipline, not to punish. Discipline comes from the same root word as disciple. You want to discipline them, move them towards, not just to punish them. The goal is not to make them pay. The goal is to teach them something from the consequence. Now, if they don't learn, then the consequences ratchet up. You give greater consequences for the same thing if it's repeated over time. Every time it shows up, the consequence goes up. And so you have to establish boundaries. That's what God has done for us. That's what God did in our lives, and, and that's what he wants us to do in areas where we have responsibility. But you also have to establish boundaries for your own behavior and never cross that line. Now, you may not be able to see, but she's actually stepping over the Arctic Circle there. I don't know how many of you have ever done that, but she's stepping out of the Arctic into the Arctic Circle. So it's okay for her to cross that line. It's just a picture that I use. But you have to establish boundaries for your own behavior. In verse 4, what are dads not allowed to do? Don't provoke your children. What does it mean to provoke your children? Kids, what do you think it means? Teenagers, what does it mean? Okay. Anna, what? Yeah, to don't annoy them and annoy them until they respond. Yet to provoke them is just to, to push and push. Now, some kids feel provoked when parents do normal discipline. So he's not saying, don't ever upset your kids. Because some kids will get upset if they don't get what they want, when they want it right now. So it's okay, parents, if your kids get upset. But don't intentionally push them to the point where they get upset. You understand the concept of pushing buttons, right? Don't keep pushing their button until they explode, okay? Don't intentionally 
push buttons. Kids, you can't push your parents either. But parents and supervisors also have a supervisor. The beginning of verse 9, he tells masters, don't attack uh, your workers. Don't threaten them. Why? Because you have a master. And who is the master of parents and supervisors? God, the Lord Jesus Christ is. You have a master in heaven. And parents have a heavenly father and parents have the Lord Jesus Christ they have to answer to. So don't intentionally antagonize someone. Okay? It's gonna upset a little kid when he, you know, a tiny little toddler when he has a screwdriver and he's trying to push it in the electric outlet. Okay, it's gonna aggravate him if you take the screwdriver away. You still have to do it. By the way, you should use safety covers for all your outlets, but, uh, but you, you, you still have to do it, even though it's gonna aggravate him. But don't intentionally aggravate him just to mess with him. That's, that's a, a process. You have to establish boundaries for your own behavior. Isn't it kind of interesting that God never says, mothers, don't antagonize your children. Don't provoke your children. It only says, fathers, don't do it. I wonder why that is. Maybe God left something out of scripture, you think? Uh, no, I don't think so. so. All right, also you need to intentionally and strategically seek to influence them for Christ. So. Again, it shows up in verse number four. He says, don't provoke them, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And again, in verse nine, you're trying to answer to God and be an influence on them toward God, your master in heaven. So you are to direct your home and your workstation, wherever it is you work, uh, you're supposed to encourage people to trust and follow Jesus Christ. So one of the ways you do that is by being a good example on the job. You know, when I was a business manager, I would often talk to my coworkers about Christ, had the opportunity to lead several to the Lord. But I also sometimes would behave inappropriately, not intentionally, but but I would lose my temper. I'd get angry, I would yell, and then I'd have to go apologize to him. But I wouldn't just apologize for losing my temper. I would say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and the Bible says this is how we're supposed to behave and that's not how I handled it, so would you please forgive me? So I used it as not just, yeah, I messed up, but yeah, I messed up because God holds me to a higher standard. And so we can follow him and we can use those opportunities as an opportunity to give our testimony. Will I set a good example? Or will I violate scripture in any way? Think about that. Before you interact with people, if you have one of those uh, what do they call them, sticky conversations. You have to have a conf confrontation with somebody and, and it's gonna be a, a difficult conversation. Think about it in advance. I have to rebuke this worker or this kid or whatever. I have to deal with this. So how do I wanna handle this to best influence them toward Christ? That's your biggest responsibility, to influence them toward Christ. 
And then, will I speak the truth graciously with love? Now, when you've got a toddler throwing a fit, it's really hard to speak the truth in love. But guess what? You still have to. In fact, when it's the hardest is when it's the most important to do. If it were always easy, everybody would do it. It's not easy. It's a challenge. You need to do it. So uh, years ago, I worked at the Office of Arid Land Studies, and I had a Christian coworker, and she decided it was her mission in life to try and influence her boss for Christ, which is a good thing. The way she did it was not good. She took time on the job to study her Bible and write out notes to share with her boss. She wasn't being paid to study the Bible or write out notes like that. She was being paid to do the job. She wasn't doing the job. She got fired, and she claimed religious persecution. It wasn't religious persecution. She was stealing from her boss by not doing her job. So you can't influence people for Christ and ignore the rules that Christ has, which says you have to obey and you have to follow. And then a last thing for bosses, those in a responsible, you have to be fair and play well. So keep your spot here in Ephesians 6 and turn over to Colossians. Ephesians, then Philippians, then Colossians. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3 or chapter 4. I want to share one verse from Colossians. And talking to masters, those who are in leadership, uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Give them what is just, what's appropriate, and what is fair. And back in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9, giving up threatening, knowing you have a master in heaven, there is no partiality with him. So you make sure that you are not showing partiality. Don't show favoritism. When, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, I advanced to a position of leadership. I became the admin chief, even though I was an E5 and it was an E7 billet. Um, we had a crisis and suddenly it was open and I became the admin chief. And uh, then the, there were guys who used to be my peers who now work for me and some of them used to be my roommates and now they work for me. And, and one of my roommates would, was violating uh, Marine Corps rules and so I sat down with them and uh, explained the rules and said, you're gonna face consequences if you don't get this taken care of, this was on a Friday night, I think Friday afternoon, and I said, by Monday, I wanna see this taken care of. And Monday it wasn't taken care of, and so I wrote him up. That's what they called, you know, the beginning of office hours where you have to go before the company commander, or the company commander then referred it to the battalion commander. So we had battalion office hours, and, and he got in trouble, and he ended up losing a stripe. And he fussed at me that, that you're my brother in Christ, and you would persecute me like this. And, and he was all upset. But I had the opportunity to lead several of my coworkers to the Lord. 
because they knew I was going to let it go because he was a Christian and I was a Christian. They just knew I was going to let it go because that's what Christians do. And they said, when you held the line to the rules that everybody has to follow, we realized, well, hey, that's... God has rules that everybody's supposed to follow and, and they wanted to know more about finding God's grace. They, they were attracted because of the justice that was done. And I'm not saying it'll always work out great for you. My relationship with my former roommate was ruined from that point on. He always had it in for me and did everything he could to make being his boss miserable. And he was pretty good at it. Uh, but you know, the truth is, We answer to a higher power. We answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to do what he would do in that situation. And I think that I did. So when you're not in charge, you're not in charge. When you are in charge, you're in charge. You have to take responsibility. But when you're not, you're not. Now, Kathy shared before, and I've shared before, Benjamin, when he was three, we left him and left our kids at home, and, and his 15-year-old sister was in charge, and he was mad that she was in charge because he thought he should have been. <laughs> and when you're not in charge, you're not in charge. So kids, teenagers, you're not in charge. Parents, go ahead, turn to your kids and tell them that really loudly. You are not in charge, okay? Listen to this quote. Children today are tyrants. They contradict their parents, gobble their food, and tyrannize their teachers. That was written by ancient Greek philosopher Socrates more than 2,400 years ago. All of you were thinking somebody wrote that last week, weren't you? Yeah. It's still true today. God wants you to step up and accept your position of authority, even if it means you're under someone else's authority and you'd rather not be. As Pastor A.W. Tozer encouraged, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he did not put them there to sit and look at each other and to hold hands. He said they were to take care of the garden. And then he said, you remember that. They were given something to do. Some people believe that work is a result of the curse, but that's not true. That idea is abroad, that work, the idea is abroad, how he phrased it, that work is only for fools, but God made us to work. From the beginning of creation, in the absolute perfect environment, we were to work. Now, it's not true everywhere, and it's not true with everybody, but there are a lot of people in our country that don't want to work. They expect somebody else to pay for everything. They don't want to work. They do everything they can to avoid work. Christians are not supposed to be that way. They're supposed to step up and work. When God allows you to be under the authority of someone, then you have to live up to that calling. Hebrews 13, 17, obey those that rule over you and be submissive. This is the responsibility of kids and workers on the job and even in the church. When you're not in charge, you're not in charge. So what should you do? Number one, be faithful 
even when your boss is not. So this is your boss. If you're a kid, who's your boss? Your parents. Mom and dad, if you have both parents at home. It's your boss. Your parents are your boss. If you're an adult, then you have a boss. I'm the pastor of the church, so on one of my uh, applications for a loan, uh, it said supervisor, and as a joke, I put down God. And th then the loan officer said, when we saw who your boss was, we couldn't turn down your loan. <laughs> but the truth is, pastors have accountability to the whole congregation. Yes, I have a responsibility to lead, but I also have accountability. In fact, the congregation could vote the pastor out. They'd have to have a reason, biblical reason for that, but they could do that. Nobody is the isolated, absolute authority in anything. Even the president has accountability to the people. They don't act like it most of the time, but they do. And that's why we have presidents changing frequently. So be faithful even when your boss is not. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Not because they are right, but because this is right. This is the right thing to do. Not because they're right. And then uh, he says down in verse 5, Bond servants being obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart uh, as to Christ. You serve Christ in that way. Now, um, 1 Peter 2.18 says, Servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh or froward. God established rules of authority, and you cannot obey God without following his rules. In her research for the ladies' Bible study that Kathy did, wrote up in, on the book of Ephesians, she said uh, the, the Roman Empire had more than 60 million slaves. And they were property, they weren't considered people, they were often disposed of according to the whims of their masters. And now Paul comes in and says, listen, if that's where you are, if that's where God has allowed you to be, you need to serve that master with sincerity of heart as to the Lord. You serve with love and obedience and character. You be the best worker that you can. And so slaves were supposed to work enthusiastically with respect, with sincerity. Uh, and uh, whether they were being supervised or not, that was God's will for their lives. All of their work was to be performed as if it were unto Christ. Uh, verse 5 says that. As to Christ, as if it were to him. As to the Lord and not to men, verse 7 says. So be faithful even if your boss is not. Even if your parents don't have it right, you do the right thing by obeying. Secondly, it's in your own best interest to obey and honor those in authority. It's in your own best interest. If you look in Paul's rule, a list in Romans 1, uh, I highlighted something in there. Disobedient to parents. So there's wickedness and evil and murders and disobedient to parents shows up there. 
Again, in 2 Timothy, Paul has another list. And disobedient to parents shows up right there in the list of bad and terrible things going on. Listen, it's in your own best interest to obey and to honor those who are in authority. God views disobedience as a serious sin, wickedness, evil, murder, disobeying your parents, disobeying the authorities. God views disobedience as a serious offense. Also, he rewards those who obey. Verse three, your life's gonna be better. You're gonna have a long life, a more full life on the earth if you do it. Verse eight, knowing that whatever any good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. God will bless you if you will obey and follow him. So make sure that you follow him. And then don't expect praise for just doing your job. Don't expect praise for just doing your job. That's what you have to do with toddlers, with little kids. He says, verses six and seven, not with eye service, don't do it only when they're watching, not as men pleasers, but doing God's will from the heart, serving the Lord, not your boss. So when Jesus was talking in Luke 17, he said, when, when a servant has done what he was supposed to do, that's exactly what he should do. When, when the boss, servant comes in from the field, the master doesn't say, oh, you're tired here, let me fix a meal for you. He says, hey, I want my meal done. So then you fix his meal and then you eat. And Jesus was saying, we have to submit to the authorities that God has allowed. And so don't expect praise just for doing your jobs. Some people have the idea that if they're not appreciated enough, then it's okay for them to steal. They'll steal money by not working hard enough, or they'll steal office supplies or other stuff. In fact, uh, one of the reasons some stores have had to go out of business is they could not stop the employee theft. And so the store itself went bankrupt. So you need to find intrinsic motivation. That means from inside you. Intrinsic motive, not extrinsic. You don't do this because somebody else is ready to smack you if you don't do it. No, you do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it because you honor God. So on the inside of you, you motivate yourself to do the right thing. The younger you learn that, the better off you will be. There is no coach and no music teacher who can get you to succeed without practicing on your own. It's the on your own hours of practice that make the coaching and the music instruction really pay off. You can't do it. Uh, they can't make it happen for you. You have to do it on the inside of you. And so Kathy can always tell the students who are gonna succeed when they're learning piano lessons, the ones who are gonna succeed because they're the ones who practice on purpose. And they're not the ones who come in and make excuses. Well, my mom forgot to tell me to practice. No, it's your job on the inside of you. So your success is gonna be connected to how you practice in your life and with your consistent practice because nobody's gonna be able to do it for you. 
And, and don't expect everybody to praise you when you just do your job. You know, if you go out to a meal somewhere and you ask them to bring your food and they bring your food, you don't say, yay, you brought my food, good job, woo I mean, maybe if they're good, you give them a good tip. If they're bad, you still give them a good tip because you're a servant of the Lord. Uh, but you, you don't go, oh, they're doing their job. And that's what you expect them to do. And if they don't do the job, you don't say, oh, they're probably just tired. You say, I asked for this, I didn't get this. So that's how we need to be. Now here's a big deal. Trust the Lord, not the person in authority. Trust the Lord, not the person in authority. So if you look through the verses here, there's several things. In verse one, he mentioned the phrase, in the Lord, in verse 4, of the Lord, in verse 5, as to Christ, in verse 6, as bondservants of Christ, also in verse 6, doing the will of God, in verse 7, as to the Lord, verse 8, from the Lord, verse 9, your own master also is in heaven. So we see over and over again that we're supposed to do what God wants us to do. We're trusting the Lord, not our supervisor, not our parent, we're trusting God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have titled this series in, through Ephesians, In Him, a series through the book of Ephesians. In Him, we're supposed to be focused. And this passage has all these times, in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord, of the Lord, from the Lord, you serve Christ. You cannot divorce your relationship with other people from your relationship with the Lord. Your true relationship with Christ shows up in how you treat other people, especially those who have authority over you, and especially when you disagree with them. Your true relationship with Christ shows up in how you treat them. So trust the Lord, not that person. It's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to be disagreeable. You disagree respectfully. Some of you adults may need to go back to your parents and apologize for your behavior when you were a teenager. I had to do that. Some of you might have to do that. Now, there comes a time when the person who was an authority is not an authority any longer. They were, but they're not anymore. Kids become adults. Supervisors become peers sometimes, and sometimes uh, the former boss is now the employee. The person under gets promoted and promoted, and they're over the one who used to be the supervisor. That happens. You need to learn to let your former authority die a natural death. Learn to let your former authority die a natural death. You have the responsibility for all your life to set a good example. And maybe you failed when your kids were young, set a good example now. Do the best you can now. You, you have a responsibility, you can encourage without condescending. You, you can encourage them to do the right thing. To, and you can pray for them. You can talk to their boss. Now that doesn't mean you go out where John's a supervisor out at 
Lucid Motors, and you say, uh, his mom shows up and says, I want to talk to, to John, Johnny Spot. Does she still call you Johnny? She, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to talk to his boss. And then, you know, that's not what I meant. Okay? You, you don't show up. Missy's not going to go over to uh, Culver's. It's Culver's, right? Not going to go over to Culver's and, and ask to speak to the owner because she wants to check up on her boy, Todd. No, she, she, even if she was in such a mood to want to do that, Todd would be livid, <laughs> okay? But who's Todd's real boss? Yeah, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Missy can talk to that boss anytime. John's mom can talk to that boss anytime. We can talk to the boss, the Lord. So you pray for your kids. In fact, if you have kids of any age and you're not regularly praying for them, there's something wrong with you because they regularly need prayer. And I know some of you are thinking, oh man, mine need so much prayer. You know, the best kids need prayer and the worst kids need prayer. Talk to their boss. When you are not in charge, you're not in charge. Nobody in the family of God gets to be a princess. We're all equal siblings. We're all children of God. In fact, God does not have grandchildren. He only has kids. We're all equals before God. And whether you're in charge or whether you're not, your faith in Christ shows best in your relationship with other people and how you handle it when you disagree. We need to follow him. Now you could be the absolute best kid in the world, but if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're not going to heaven. You could be the ideal boss. They could put you on Newsweek, on the cover, best boss in the world, and if you it, does Newsweek still exist? I don't know, okay. Some, some internet magazine format. Then uh, Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you can't get into heaven. You need to ask him to forgive your sins and save your soul. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have to let him define the rules for how you live your life. Whether you're in authority or whether you're not, he makes the rules we all submit to. At the beginning of or chapter five, in the middle of chapter five, it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. We submit to each other because we're submitting to God and we follow his rules because he's the big boss. The little boss you have on earth, they're just the little boss. The parents you have on earth, who although they have absolute authority over your life right now, they won't have within a few years. But God will always be the authority over your life. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would trust you, follow you, learn from you, and learn your word, and thank you that you are willing to bring us into your family. And thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and we're so grateful. I pray that we would truly honor you in the home, the kids and parents here, 
on the job. I pray that we would do what we should do, but do what we can do, and that we would be an influence for you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.